0: Into Hawks Talk, the official podcast of your Upper Valley Nighthawks, where we talk all things Nighthawks and also delve into what's going on in and around the Upper Valley. Uh, welcome into episode three. My name is Ian Behnke, and today I'm joined alongside my, my broadcast partner and uh, social media extraordinaire, Jonah Krell. And Jonah, how are you doing today? I'm good. I
1: finally have a voice. <laughs> that I, is it's good. It's been a minute since I've been on this podcast. Well, I've only been a part of the interviews, um, and it's I'm very fortunate that my voice is back to normal. I'm feeling much better, and I get to be talking to, with you.
0: So... The Nighthawks were in action uh, quite a bit this week. A a stark contrast to Episode 2 when they really only got two games in to talk about. And uh, it made it tough with all the rainouts and scheduled off days. But for Upper Valley this week, they were much more active, starting things off with Sunday as we recorded uh, Saturday before. They played the doubleheader down in Massachusetts against the North Adams-Steeplecats. They were able to get a double header sweep. They won game one six to three, and then game two, a nine inning affair and extra innings, which they came out on top six to five. After that, and a couple of days off, they had a home and a home against the Keene Swamp Bats, which they also swept. A five to three win at home on the twenty first, and then went down to Keene with a six to four victory, and a uh, it turned into a nail biter. But we'll talk more about that in a bit. And that stretched the winning streak to five, but then it came to an end as of recording this on Friday night, which was a three to two loss in Game Two of the Governors Cup. To the Vermont Mountaineers, but overall, a very solid first eleven games for the Nighthawks. They stand at eight and three. That would be good for Tops and The Currently. two other divisions, there, there
1: might be another game as of this recording. But yes, yeah,
0: yeah. they they would be. Uh, well, as of recording this on Friday night, right? Uh, you know, Saturday, kind of up in the air as of right now against Danbury, but. Uh, as of right now, eight and three through their first eleven games, second in the North Division, but it would be good for tops and uh, the other two divisions in the NECBL. They are in position for one of those automatic uh, postseason spots, but we're getting way ahead of ourselves here on <laughs> Hawks Talk. Let's focus in on kind of each of these games individually. Let's start with the doubleheader against North Adams. Kind of wrap that into one. Yeah, w- what a battle. Um, That was with North Adams, who,
1: as we're recording this, just got a big win to break, what was it? 12-game losing Losing streak, yeah. Yeah. And and they really put on a battle in both games in that doubleheader, like you touched on. uh, The first one was a 6-3 win, but that one was a lot closer than it actually showed in the final score because the Nighthawks put up three runs in the sixth inning to come through. Um, Big time plays by Garrett Pike, uh, Kevin Brugman coming through as usual, scored a run, um, had a single and an RBI. He was great. Um, Overall, a team effort in in those big two, the doubleheaders. And then in game two of that doubleheader, another one where we leave a ton of guys on base, 12 left on base. But just like it's been all season, the Nighthawks find a way to string together hits and string together runs. Um, and it came through late in that game, uh, just an extra innings thriller. Um, what were your thoughts on that game?
0: Yeah, that one was one where you're thinking it's it's a little bit too close for comfort. Uh, now, North Adams, that 12-game losing streak, it, it is a little bit deceiving. They've got a good ball, ball club there. Yes. They're just you know, missing some guys. They're shorthanded right now. and. Uh, if really it's been their bullpen that has been their weak point and uh, that was that kind of rang true in in this case again, they the starter though in game two did give up three runs and only an inning and two thirds, but then bullpen kept them in it up until the ninth inning when uh, things started to get away from the steeple cats but uh, happy for them that they they broke their losing streak. Uh, In that organization, they're you know on the upswing now. You can look at it that way. They they hit their low point and they could move forward. But yeah, for Upper Valley, it was a much needed doubleheader sweep. Uh, The the story throughout all this week is just dang, the Mountaineers won't lose. They won't give us any kind of slack in the division, and it um it's gonna be a neck and neck race it seems between these two ball clubs, the Nighthawks and the Mountaineers, uh, for that North Division title. Here in the 2023 season, two very solid ball clubs who have played two very close games, uh, the latter, which we will get to later. But let's move on now to the first Keen game a home win, a 5 to 3 decision. And really, the, the story of this one was the bullpen locking things down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, several uh, newcomers made their debut in that game Christian Howe, Brady Fuller, Nate Kreider, and then Randall Alejo comes through with his first save of the season, 2 winning save, uh, he has been lights out to start the summer. And, uh, yeah, they, they just strung together runs. Uh, they left 10 on base yep. again. Um, that's
0: And, that by the way, that's going to be a theme here in, in these yes. box scores, the left on base. Just keep that in mind, especially when we get to the Vermont game. But, uh, yeah, 10 left on base in that one was, yeah. it was tough.
1: But, uh, once again... They strung it together. uh, Two sack flies, one from Pat D'Amico, one from Ethan Kavanaugh, and then uh, a hit by pitch from Tyler Long brought in a run. Uh, They also had a two RBI single from Ryan Cesarini in the first. So, small ball and capitalizing on just team effort, you know, finding ways to get runners home. That's been a consistent theme so far this season. Small ball working so well um, and really great pitching. Once again, like we touched on, bullpen came through and great defense. A lot of great uh, plays made in this infield and the outfield as well. Uh, Just a really great effort uh, to come through when the bats weren't the best.
0: Yeah, and it was just so big for Upper Valley to get a couple of runs on the board. They got five runs, which was kind of a, an odd number for them uh, in these couple of games. At six, six, five, you know, the the bats are starting to come around. They're still still leaving a lot of guys on, which is something that you would really like to change as we go on into the, the season. But they're still getting more runs on the scoreboard, and it's trending in the right direction. And uh, I, I think the focus of this game was on Ryan Cesarini. He really got the bat going. In the latter game of the North Adams doubleheader, with a three-hit performance, and then came through again in this game against Keene. Another three, or this game, this time a two-hit ball game rather. Or sorry about that. I'm getting my scorebook mixed up. That was another three-hit game for Cesarini. He drove in two runs, including uh, later on in the ball game, he actually scored a run. As well, so he really came through and, and emerged as one of the hottest bats in the lineup for Upper Valley this week, absolutely.
1: And he, he said in, in the interview after one of those games that he really hasn't changed anything up, it's just he's connecting this time. He's on a five game hitting streak, and uh, if I can do my math real quick, quick here, uh, nine hits in the last four, uh, nine for his last 18, mm-hmm. uh, including tonight's outing. Um, batting 500 over the last four games. He's been so good, uh, and the speed as well. He legs things out. He plays with great effort both in the outfield and on the base pass. Um, he's now got four stolen bases this summer. Um, so he has really been a shining star in the past few games when it's really been a team effort by the Nighthawks. Uh, Cesarini has shined above a lot of other guys
0: in the last few So Cesarini was one of the big performers. Uh, but now let's move on to game two of that home-and-home, home, a 6-4 to four win down in New Hampshire against the Swamp Bats. And uh, again, it was a well-rounded performance, really up into the ninth inning, but we'll get into that in just a moment. But six runs, including a leadoff home run from Adarius Myers. Adarius just continues to
1: hit, and that was the first time this season that he hasn't had a single. In any of those games, uh, 15 hits, uh, one long ball, first of the summer for him, only four home runs uh, for the Nighthawks. And you had to know it was coming at Alumni Field in that small ball, ball, ballpark. Um, and Adarius let off right off the bat, uh, gave Upper Valley a great charge. And this was really a complete game, in my opinion. They hadn't had a complete game. And I, I was like, this is going to be their first complete game mm-hmm. of the summer. And then in came the ninth inning.
0: Yeah, and another great performance from Garrett Pike, who was one of my standout performers from this week. Three for three for five with, uh, with four RBIs. He had a really great day at the plate. But then, uh, yeah, you got to talk about that ninth inning. It was strong pitching all the way through Luis Miesla. Only two hits allowed with five looking strikeouts through five innings of work. Jordan Goldman... Russell Hunter made his debut for the Nighthawks and looked extremely well. The sophomore from Hofstra, but then, got to the ninth inning. Things got really, really hairy for the Nighthawks, and they allowed three runs to score. Now, one of those runs was unearned due to an an error, but uh, it was just just really rough. And you know, they say baseball is a is a game of inches, and that rang true for. Keens, Devin Taylor, just missed a a would-be walk-off home run to right field. Instead, Garrett Pike able to put it away at the wall. And you have to
1: give some credit to Nate Kreider. Yeah. And and only his second um, appearance this summer came to the team a little bit late, transferring to Louisiana Tech this upcoming fall. And Kreider, uh, the bases loaded were just set for him. And one batter he needs to get out. Just... uh, a sack fly. Uh, sorry, excuse me. Um, he he gets, comes on with no outs. Yeah, he comes on with no outs. And then just finds something within himself to get out of the jam. Uh, all Everything was out there on the line. And a fly out from Devin Taylor just in front of the wall. A sigh of relief it must have been for Nate Kreider. But heads up, uh, well done for him to, for coming in in such
0: a tough spot and delivering. So that got... The winning streak up to five and a lot of confidence coming into the matchup against the Vermont Mountaineers as of recording this today on Friday. But unfortunately for Upper Valley, it fell just short. Not for the lack of trying, though, a 3-2 to two final in favor of the Mountaineers. But the game was, was a close one all the way through. It was one to nothing pretty much from the start all the way through up until the 8th when Upper Valley was able to tie it on a wild pitch. But then two runs from Vermont in the top of the ninth, thanks to a Brandon Butterworth two-run single. Made it 3-1 to one and kind of some hung heads in the stands from Nighthawks fans. But then the rally got started. Uh, Darius Myers got started with a single. Ethan Cavanaugh followed. Then Kevin Brugman, an RBI single, put the, uh, the tying run uh, in scoring position, the winning run on base, and a wild pitch eventually moved Kavanaugh over to third, tying run 90 feet away. But then the Nighthawks found themselves on the flip side of baseball being a game of inches and a diving catch from TJ Williams robbed Ryan Cesarini of a game-tying base hit. Yeah, just a tough one for
1: Upper Valley. But I think we all know that they didn't deserve to, to win that game with some of the errors. They had two costly errors. Um, and they just didn't look like their sharpest self. Uh, They had 12 runners left on base, another big one, and this time that number rings true because they couldn't get that timely hit. In every other game, they came through clutch. This time, just too many battles, too many challenges to overcome.
0: Now, I do want to give a shout-out in this game to Brendan Walker who came out of the bullpen and pitched five shutout innings, only allowing two hits and two walks with two strikeouts. Who's was really strong in relief. And really gave up our Valley a chance in this game. Great bounce back
1: for Brendan. Uh, you know, he was supposed to pitch. Um, I believe, what, what game was that that got uh, canceled or postponed? Uh, Bristol. Bristol, perhaps. yeah. And he, he was supposed to pitch that game. And unfortunately, that got postponed. So didn't get to pitch. Uh, but, you know, he comes out of the bullpen this time. Um, And Brendan changes things up and he delivers a really solid, uh, really solid outing for him. Like, like you said, needed to keep the score as it was. And he did after a really rocky start against North Adams, only went one and two thirds, um, three runs, one earned and four hits, he comes in and bounces right back thanks to his defense. How about Tyler Long? Yeah, uh,
0: for for Long it's a tough luck for him because he made the error in the ninth inning and, right. and that run ended up coming around to score and helped Vermont win it. But it, he should just put that kind of out of his mind. The fans should put it out of, his, out of their minds because he right. was phenomenal at third base today. I think Playing third base really for the first time— uh, to about, to our knowledge in his career, he's a shortstop at St. Mary's, has played outstanding at second base and at shortstop for the Nighthawks this year, but he's kind of filling in a hole now for Upper Valley. Third base has not been a position of strength, but he, he made it look strong, turned three double plays in this ball game around the horn, which is usually one of the toughest ones to turn.
1: Yeah, definitely. Got to give credit to him. Credit to this um, entire team for battling after it wasn't their sharpest. But, you know, you had to think it was coming eventually. This team just continues to fight, and they were just inches
0: away. It was such a great effort tonight. So you talked about... Uh, credit to the entire team for the winning streak and and almost extending it to six games. But how about one of the guys who put it all together? The general manager, Matt Wright, put together the roster, put together the, the intern roster as well. He's the reason you and I are here, and we had the chance to sit down with him and interview him talk to him see what's going on with him and uh and also ask him about how this team came together let's take a listen
2: joining us today is Nighthawks general manager Matt Wright Matt what is your thoughts on how the team has fared just eight games into the season so far
3: yeah I think to uh to open the season we're looking good on the field um, off the field, our chemistry has been strong. Um, small sample size, eight games in, um, to be six and two is, is a great start. Um, but the rest of the league also looks like they're off to a good start too. Um, so we just gotta keep pace um, when we get to be full strength here. Um, recording this on a Wednesday, we'll be full strength you know, at the end of the week here. Um, try to get a, you know, a better picture of what we're gonna see for the next you know, five weeks of the season.
0: You talked about uh, not being full strength yet, but how important is it to get off to a good start, despite some players, you think like Austin Beck and uh, all the Southern Miss guys that were in the college uh, playoffs and the Super Regionals and everything, but waiting for maybe some of your best players still, other teams as well, but getting off to that good start with uh, not having all your top talent here yet.
3: Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's when you come into the start of the season, you don't know what to expect in the first couple of weeks because nobody's played together before. Um, they're in a new environment. It's a lot of culture shock for these guys that come from bigger, you know, metro areas. Um, so we're we're really impressed with how we've started. Um, a little bit slow on offense like the rest of the league has been, but our pitching has been, you know, um, top notch to this point. Um, and we're we're impressed with um, top to bottom. Of the, the depth chart has, has been, I mean, you know, Played really well on the field, um, so that, that's good to see early on because you, you think those guys are just going to improve as the as the games continue.
2: I asked Noah a very similar question. To this a lot of people know about what goes on during the season, but not what goes on during the off season. So I was kind of wondering, um, what's your what's your favorite part of the off season, and do you think there's like you have a certain recipe t- into uh, building a team?
3: Yeah, so the off season. Takes you know we we take about a month off after the season ends just to kind of decompress and take it all in you know whether we had a good season or you know kind of a lackluster season like last year. Um, then we we get right back into it in the fall with starting to build um, the roster with players from schools that we know we're going to get players from every year. Um, so we give them first priority. Um, I'd have to say, you know, when I go into the off season, my favorite part is really just to see. Um, Our on-field and off-field teams come together, so the players on the roster and our our intern group. Um, For me, I've I've really taken on the intern hiring process as my own project, Um, and I think over the last couple of years we've seen um, what that kind of effort can produce with the groups we put together, and the league has has noticed that at their level too. Um, So I I would definitely put that at the top of my list. Um, As much as I like know winning games on the field, I think. Um, having a successful intern group it just makes the experience better for all of us, including the players um, they give the same feedback the fans give that feedback um, so I think you know if I had to pick one part of my off season which um, that process usually starts in around January so the turn of the the new year is when we start to look at um, look at schools but bringing in all you guys from different areas of the country has really given us a, a wider range of um, pool candidates to choose from for interns which we never had before so um, we're really seeing how much versatility we have when we you know go outside the borders of new england yeah absolutely
1: from an arizona guy myself i'm the farthest one out of the intern group here and uh, touching on you know you've touched on the baseball side uh the intern side um how important is it to to manage both How, how do you balance both you know putting together a team while also
3: putting together a staff yeah, it's a lot of work. Um, You—that's a question we all try to answer—is what's what's our top priority during the season? Do we want to win games, or do we want to have you know a good experience as an organization? And I think here um, we value both. Like we'd love to—we all love to put a, a ring on our finger next year when we we come around to next season and win the championship. But um, I think a successful season for me is seeing everything come together and everybody improving. Um, so I think. Um, Just being able to balance those two things, if you're seeing players improve on the field, has a lot to do with your coaching staff, too. And we have three really talented coaches here. Um, And, of course, seeing you guys, the intern group, improve over the summer, too, is is a huge positive for us. And um, seeing you guys move on to careers in professional sports or baseball specifically, if that's what you choose to do, um, I think that's a a winning season for us, even if it's not um, a winning record on the field. Um, But I think the balance is, is just putting enough attention on both things you can't favor one or the other because then you're going to falter you know in the, in the other half you talked a little bit about the uh
0: the coaching staff and uh matt pause in his first year as a manager he's gotten the team off to a six and two start a couple of three game winning streaks already what have you seen out of him uh in his first couple of
3: games yeah we knew that um we knew that pause was a good choice coming in uh, last off season we knew that um Justin DeVoid was taking a full-time job at Cornell as an assistant coach. Um, so bringing in Matt Paz in the offseason was well, almost a no-brainer, I think, like Noah alluded to in his interview. Um, being a guy that's local, he's been here. I think this is his fourth summer with us overall. Um, he's, you know, He has the right demeanor. He has the right um, amount of flexibility and boundaries that players you know, respect during the summer but also can have enough fun, too. I think for any manager in this league, it's, it's finding the balance between um, – you know improving that talent on the field but also letting the players be themselves and have a good time because uh, they are coming from programs where they have their own coaches and their coaching style that they're used to Um, so I think we have the right guy in place that can command the team but also give them the freedom to you know to be themselves and show their personalities at the same time.
2: Yeah so the Nighthawks are a rather new team in the league so I was kind of wondering uh, how did you get started with the team and kind of like give your origin story.
3: Yeah, so I'm from Springfield originally, which is, um, for anybody who's listening locally, um, knows it's about uh, three exits down, 91 South. Um, so I was a junior in college. Um, I took a few uh, gap years in between high school and college. I was a junior in college when I started here, 2019. Um, I honestly, being from Springfield, didn't know much about the Nighthawks, even being close by, or the NECBL as a whole, because the Keene paths were the next closest team to me. Um, And you'd always heard rumblings about, you know, Keene being a good team and and whatnot in high school, but not, you know, not many of the details. Um, So I needed an internship for college, reached out to Noah um, as the fall of 2018 for the following summer as an analytics intern here. Um, And that's what I started out with, kind of working with our coaching staff and doing um, spreadsheets and and data um, analysis and whatnot. Um, And then got into kind of the more front office operations as, you know, I kind of worked my way up here. Um, and just, to, it's kind of something you can't put down. I kept coming back every year and got more excited about it. Um, our 2020 year, I worked with the Nashville Silver Knights in the Futures League, um, when Danny CBL and the Cape were both, um, both canceled. And we ended up winning the FCBL championship that year. So that was a cool experience to bring back the following year here when I came back. Um, it just kind of worked my way up, honestly. And Noah reached out to me 2021 um, before that season started, said that he needed a new guy for this role because our previous general manager had had moved on to other other endeavors. Um, and, you know, I didn't hesitate to come back, you know, knowing how things worked here. So um, here we are now, you know, two seasons, you know, removed from that. Um, just continuing to build what we have here, trying to raise the attendance, bring in more interns every year and give the Coolidge um, some more traction with what they're doing. Um, so it, yeah it's been it's been good all around I think we have a good thing going here and now that you've been here um,
1: for a little bit now what are your goals uh, for growing the team or you know beyond just winning what what are your goals as the general manager
3: yeah I think our goals um, they pretty much stay the same every season so on the field, of course, the goal is to, um, we kind of do it in stages. We say we want to um, make the playoffs and then go for the championship. We always want to win the Governors Cup against Vermont. That's always a team goal. Um, but off the field, I think, our goals are just to um, recruit the best staff that we can get, interns and players, um, and kind of push them onto professional careers. So if we see our interns, um, for example, we have two from last year that are now working in um, Division One college or professional sports. and um, I think that's a successful um, reach of that goal is to see them you know, move on to that, that step because that's why you're here and that's why you know, we're all here to, um, to make those connections and to advance our careers. This is just a stepping stone for everybody here, including the players. Um, so I think you know, uh, my personal goal is just to see that through and make sure that I'm doing all I can to support you know, everybody we have here um, and seeing them enjoy their time and um, you know, reach their own professional goals too. So going back to off the field, I like to
0: ask this to uh, everyone that comes on, but what's one of your favorite things to do in the Upper Valley and, uh, and around the ballpark?
3: Yeah, I think the Upper Valley is a really unique place for everybody coming in who's not used to the area. It's pretty, pretty laid back. There's, it might not seem like there's a lot to do on the surface here, um, but if you make your way around to all the towns, um, you know, Hanover and Quechee and Woodstock, um, if you go a little further south um, where I currently live, like near Manchester, New Hampshire, is about an hour away. Um, We've got like minor league baseball down there with the the Fisher Cats and the Blue Jays affiliate Um, But around the upper valley the immediate um, Area I'd say, you know, I really like to get out and do a lot of outdoor activities like hiking Um, There's a lot of great nature walks around here Um, I think this is a good place for people outside of the area to really disconnect from you know their typical lifestyle of you know city life Um, it's a really laid-back environment and the the people here are really welcoming. It's a, a really, you know, warm community all, all around and all the, you know, I think there's like 45 or 46 towns that make up the Upper Valley as a whole. Um, so, you know, no matter which one you visit, all in between there, there's, there's always something to do, whether you're into, you know, the outdoors or history or, um you know, baseball we have here. And um, I think there's, you know, there's something for everybody to do. That's Matt Wright, the
0: GM of your Upper Valley Nighthawks. Matt, thanks for coming on to talk to us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks so much to Matt Wright for taking the time before a game to sit down and and talk to us and uh it, it's always great to you know it's not often you get the chance to sit down and talk to talk to your boss and and ask him a little bit like what he saw uh in building the intern roster but uh you know again shout out to Matt for for bringing us up here to the Upper Valley it's been a great experience so far. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. Um he has been so gracious to us, you know, giving us the freedom to to do what we love, which is broadcasting, which is, you know, giving a platform to for the Nighthawks for these players and really show show what they're capable of. It's been so amazing. Um, you know, what who is like the best GM
0: out there in sports, in, in sports history? Uh, it's I'm trying to think. Yeah, it's 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 a tough question because you're you ask different <laughs> people, you're gonna get different answers, but He's definitely not Jerry Krause. I'll tell you that. <laughs> there, yeah, it's a uh, it's a tough question. I, I think that's uh, something you could f- sound off to us on uh, on uh, on social media about. <laughs> Comment on our post. To uh, I think we'll we'll blast out the social media promotion on Twitter and uh, Instagram. However, you find it. Uh, however you find the podcast on social media that's that's what that's our question to you for this week who do you think is Theo the Epstein, best general yeah and who do you <laughs> think is the best general manager in league history? It's a very good question but uh yeah we're gonna we're gonna leave that to you guys and we're interested to see what you say but now we're kind of moving on a little bit but still looking back i wanna Ask you no ask you and uh, see Jonah. Who were some standout performers? Now I already gave out Garrett Pike as one of my picks. He had a lot of runs driven in, some timely hitting, and also of course a timely catch out in the right field in Keen, but Uh, We also mentioned Cesarini, but who are some guys that stood out to you on the diamond this week?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Randall Alejo, once again, uh, came through huge in that uh, first game this week against Keene, went two innings. Uh, Alejo, once again, just finds ways to get Paints the corners beautifully done with his partner and Kevin Brugman. Um, Alejo, two innings, no hits, no runs, no walks, uh, and two strikeouts. He's just so good at at getting to his pitch and and getting ahead in the counts really early. Um, So Alejo continues to shine. I mentioned Cesarini earlier, how he has been just red hot this week. Um, Garrett Pike. As well. Um, Overall, it's been a team effort. uh, Kevin Brugman continues to hit. I mean, what he does both behind the dish
0: and offensively has been amazing stuff. And another player that deserves credit is Will McCausland. You go all the way back to game one of the North Adams doubleheader. Pitched very strong in his second start as a Nighthawk. Four innings pitched, only one base runner allowed on a hit. No runs, no walks, two strikeouts. He's been phenomenal, and uh, he's positioning himself to be really an ace for the St. Joseph staff when he returns next season. And we got the chance to sit down and talk with him before today's game. Uh, as of recording this against Vermont, and he gave us some insight about why he chose uh, Upper Valley, his experience so far, both on and off the field here in White River Junction in Hartford, Vermont. Let's take a listen.
2: Our next guest today is starting pitcher Will McCausland. Will, you're one of two St. Joseph Hawks on this roster. We had Luca Trigiani last year from St. Joe's. What's it like coming here Knowing that there's other people from your school who's been here and here with you. Uh yeah no I mean it's pretty cool we uh I think for the last five or six years we've had to do on the team. Uh, Matt McShane was up here also last year. He he said uh, Coach Chad was really really good and I I love Chad so far. I mean he's it's been really good work with them And you've
1: been absolutely lights out since you've been here. Really good with you know just not allowing a ton of runners to reach, allowing your defense to work. What's been working well for you this summer?
2: Uh, I've been really attacking my fastball. Like, in school, I was mixing off-speed a little bit, but I feel like here, I've really found my fastball, my field has been up a little bit, and I feel like that's been able to help me get outs.
0: All the pitchers that uh, we've talked to, they've been really ranting about Chad Sturgeon. So, what is, uh, what have you been working with, uh, with Chad to improve your stuff?
2: Uh, the reason I like him, I've said this to a bunch of other guys, like, he's really good with all the track man analytics side of it, but then the part that really sets him apart from a lot, of, a lot of other guys is that when we're working in the pen, like he's he's big on feel. So like if you feel something out, you like it, he goes with it. If you don't like it, then trash it right away. There's no point. So, and yeah. uh,
1: you pitched a lot of time at St. Joe's this past season. So your last start with us actually comes on Saturday. This will come out Sunday. But uh, what, what have you learned most this summer? And what do you think you, you want to take back to school?
2: Uh, yeah, no, I mean... Like I said, like my fastball really been playing. I mean, if I can keep that working, I feel like I'll be really good. I feel like it has a lot more uh, rod to it, a little more zip. But, I mean, if I can bring it back into school, I'll be good.
0: So you had the honor of being the home opener here and, and pitching, uh, actually as we're recording this, against the Vermont Mountaineers who uh, the Nighthawks are playing today. Talk about the feel of pitching in a rivalry game like that.
2: Yeah, no, that was huge. I mean, there were a ton of fans there. Uh, I'm not sure the exact number, but the energy was huge. Like walking out into the uh, – Walking out into the field at, right after the National Anthem, it really felt like I was in the majors with the amount of fans there.
1: <laughs> and, uh, well, I know you're uh, you're from the Philly area. Um, what, what, uh, what's going on with your, your Philly sports teams right now? What, what, what has to happen for them?
2: Uh, we need to actually win a championship <laughs> instead, of, instead of lose uh, two and one, or three, I guess, in one year. Uh, I think the Phillies are picking up a little bit, but... We're struggling right now.
0: I saw something with the, all the Philly mascots on a, on a fire truck earlier today. It looked like a lot of fun. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Um, so, you know, talking, you know, we talked a little bit about the St. Joe's guys uh, historically on the Nighthawks and also on the roster here this year, but also just a very diverse roster. How have you been getting along with the rest of the team?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, the team's great. Like, I was talking with uh, Cesarini, and we, we were both saying, like, it's probably the chillest team we've ever been on, but, I mean, we're still winning at the same time. I mean, it's a really fun atmosphere. Like, it's just so laid back, and, I mean, we just win. I mean, a lot of our games are close, but everyone's a bunch of dogs, so it's really fun. And
1: uh, just uh, beyond Ryan, uh, you know, who are some of the, the guys that have been real fun to uh, play with, Maybe uh, be on the defensive side of things with Who, who's been uh, some of the standout guys who's helped you here.
2: Uh, I mean, Corey, my catcher, is really fun. I mean, he's called me in both of my games. I mean, he's helped me really settle in. He's re- he's really funny on the bus and in the dugout and all. So yeah. So uh, you, you've played against a lot of the teams here, uh,
0: and you've seen it both in the dugout and on the mound. Uh, what what are your thoughts overall on the NECBL as a whole
2: and the level of competition? Uh, I mean, this competition's great. Like, there's guys from a lot of major schools. Like when we played down in uh, North Adams, I mean, they had a they had a bunch of dudes. Uh, Vermont had a lot of really solid ballplayers, also. Like, they're all really solid. And I mean, p- the pitching up here is like really, really good. So, yeah. Well, we hope that
1: prepares you for when you go back to school. Will McCoslin, thank you so much for joining us. All right. Yeah. Thank you. We want to thank Will for joining us before this uh, Vermont game. Such a great dude, uh, a really chill, relaxed guy, and he's going to bring a lot back to St. Joe's.
0: Absolutely. Chill, relaxed, uh, talking to him, and also chilling, relaxed on the mound. Doesn't let much phase him, and uh, he's been phenomenal this year. Looking forward to his next start uh, in blue and green. Yeah, and, and now as we sort
1: of wrap up the pod this week, um, let's talk about what we've been up to in the White River Junction area, Hartford, uh, Hotel Coolidge yes. adventures. Um, I have stories to tell, <laughs> um, but let's start it off with you, Ian.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of time at the Coolidge. Of course, we've all been hanging out. Our uh, the intern Monopoly series has continued. Uh, for anyone who was curious, uh, our baseball. Oper- uh, Director of Baseball Operations Jacob Ains, he finally lost a game of <laughs> Monopoly after uh, four games of trying. Uh, someone finally topped him, and it was our very own Carolina Angelillo who topped him and was able to get a victory. She's still in a pretty distant second place in the standings. And yours truly finally got out of the cellar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm <laughs> now. I think I'm in. Fourth or third or fourth or not third I'm not in third definitely not in third uh, fourth or fifth I think I am in the standings but uh, uh, up and comer I'm waiting to get good good luck I'm waiting for that yeah. to happen but uh, leaving the hotel Coolidge it's, it's been uh, a busy week and we're waiting uh, not gonna give away everything but preparing for a hike for filming for Hawks in 90 for an upcoming week, it's uh, going to take a little bit of preparation for me to get ready for it. But i uh, been going to the, the River Valley Club, the RVC, to to really prepare for that physically and be ready to to not uh, not pass out on the way to filming this. Uh, and thanks to the RVC, they, they've got everything I need to uh, – to To really prepare for that, and and also we've been to the Four Aces diner quite a bit. Uh, they've been uh, very hospitable towards us, and and uh, and helping us out, and, and nourishing the the Nighthawks intern staff. You've been on the grind, Ian. Yeah, at, at RVC. A couple times
1: this week uh, going earlier in the mornings before games hitting that treadmill I got to go with you once before um, I was able to get a good lift in myself Yeah, but uh, you are putting in the stamina you are putting in the time clocking in for us and, and you're getting ready for that hike that is going to be great content for us um, when we get it out on socials for an upcoming Hawks in 90 uh, me myself um, I've had some adventures as well uh, first of all uh going to the rvc once again uh having fun getting exercise in when i can it's a little tough because you know we want to rest but uh that's been good uh this past actually last night um dealt with some ants really in my in my room um i haven't really been eating much in in my room uh but uh you know the hotel staff helped me out um very very kind very gracious gave me some bug spray um and yeah no ants this morning they go
0: um that is you know stress relieved (laughs) yeah you know you know how it goes i've had them in my dorm room as well it's once it gets warmer once it gets really cold they're looking for warm or cold environments accordingly and uh it seems to be inside always so (laughs) uh, a shout out to the hotel coolidge staff for taking care of that and also we got a uh a fun story um, for between two of the interns that I uh, mentioned earlier, Jacob and Carolyn. Uh, we all went on a walk earlier today. Uh, that's been one thing we've been doing a little bit too is is walking and exploring the area around White River Junction uh, on two feet. But uh, we w- we decided to go down to the uh, a bridge spanning the Connecticut River. We walked over it just a little bit away from the hotel Coolidge and we went down to the uh went down to the river and we found out there was uh they had the bridge supports there was there a van too someone living down no by the river? no no van down oh, by the river sorry uh, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> you. my bad uh but yeah <laughs> so we went down there and there were some rocks leading to one of the uh the supports of the bridge which had a you know, area to stand on some shade and get right by the water and we thought yeah let's go ahead and go down there and and explore that that'd be pretty fun so so we go down there we chill out for a little bit we're talking and uh, about everything and no one's paying any attention until someone finally realizes the water's rising. Oh no. That's that's <laughs> not good. Um the, the the entire stone area which was dry at one point turned wet with water. Well, what else would it turn wet with? But um <laughs> it was, you know, wet. Your shoes are getting kind of a little bit soggy I we realized it hey, probably a good idea to go ahead and get, get off of this thing. So we walked back over to the other side and sure enough, the rocks that we walked on to get there are now underwater. Ugh. Uh, fortunately it was only, it wasn't even a foot deep. It was really shallow water, but, um, we did have to tread through the Connecticut River to get back to dry land. Uh, Jacob, I don't know how he did it. He didn't change shoes, didn't change socks. <laughs> Fortunately, he was sitting outside for today's game, didn't have to worry about uh, some stinky feet in the other side of the press box here. But um, I had to go change. Uh, that, that was actually my third pair of socks, third pair of shoes uh, for the day. But, yeah, it was fun getting to explore some of the natural areas here, the Connecticut River and the White River, hence White River Junction, uh, just right beyond the Hotel Coolidge. Yeah,
1: absolutely. A lot of fun adventures. We also we also got Thai food uh, together once again. Uh, Tuk Tuk Thai, I believe the, that's the name of the restaurant. Yeah,
0: so great food in and around the Upper Valley and kind of eating our way. Through the Upper <laughs> Valley of sorts, uh, experiencing the different tastes of the area. Haven't had something I haven't liked yet, so um, it's been great food all over. And uh, yeah, definitely looking forward throughout the summer to trying more.
1: Yeah, Tuk Tuk Thai. I also tried Trail Break for the first time. Great uh, Mexican food there. Uh, now let's let's turn the page a little bit. Uh, talk about the upcoming schedule for Upper Valley. And tomorrow, as we're recording this Friday night, tomorrow Saturday, they're set to face Danbury at Rogers Park, six thirty start. But that could be canceled uh, yep. by the time this goes out.
0: That's uh, something that you always have to keep an eye on here in the NECBL. It's yes, the schedule is posted. Don't believe it till the teams are on the field. <laughs> We've had it a couple times this year where the game is canceled before we get to the bus we had at one time where the game was canceled the day prior uh to the scheduled day of the game and then one time we went up to vermont only to have uh torrential downpour come to the area and the rain get rained that game get rained out but um yeah it's interested to see uh what danbury has in store if we go on uh it's it's been a tough go for the westerners so far but the 2021 champions looking to rebound And then we'll go,
1: we'll be back home actually against Ocean State, a coastal uh, opponent. That'll be on Sunday. This is a big stretch for the Nighthawks. uh, Several games all in consecutive days. If I can quickly see here, that's one, two, three, four, five straight, excuse me, six straight uh, days with a game. So it is. We're in a grind right now, and it will continue after Ocean State Sunday. That'll be a 5 p.m. Uh, start. Then they'll face Danbury Danbury again back here at the Maxfield Sports Complex on Monday. And that'll wrap up the six-game stretch as the lights go off here at the <laughs> Maxfield Sports Complex. We're battling it out, and we're finishing it up here. And then finally, they'll have a day off, and then they'll face uh, North Shore for the first time uh, again that'll be at home. So that is the upcoming stretch of games. What stands out to you there?
0: Yeah, and looking at beyond that as well. Uh it's actually yeah, North Shore the doubleheader against Bristol. Oh, yeah. It's a doubleheader on Thursday. Uh actually yeah, doubleheader both uh at Muzzy Field yep. down in Bristol. That's because of the rainout prior Uh, A couple days ago, and then following that, they're back at home here to face the North Adams Steeplecats. Then rounding things out on Saturday and Sunday, it's a another trip down to Muzzy Field to face the Bristol Blues, and then the Nighthawks will host Mystic at the Maxfield Sports Complex on Sunday july 2nd and yeah looking forward to, to getting out of the north division it's been a lot of divisional play early on in the season already played keen i think three times it is now sanford twice vermont twice seeing some different teams i know north adams uh, we've seen before but north shore uh, this will be the first time we see them danbury seeing them twice for the first two times in the span of a week bristol because of the rain out we haven't seen them yet seeing a, a variety of opponents of different rosters different faces different broadcasters as well <laughs> you and i will be calling games with the various broadcasters around the necbl throughout the course of this season by the way necbl network but yeah looking forward to some different games that are going on throughout the week and then uh just to finish up
1: here um ian Yes, this was a tough loss against the Mountaineers, but when you look ahead at that schedule, Nighthawks are in a pretty good spot, right? Yeah,
0: they, they are. They're in a space, a lot of home games coming up, they get, they get a winning schedule here and out, and you kind of still have to keep it at one eye on Vermont, hope they stumble. But you take care of business, win more than you lose, and you're in a good spot for the playoffs. So that'll do it from us here
1: at the Maxfield Sports Complex. Staying late, putting in the hours, and this was a fun podcast to put together. We want to thank our guests, GM Matt Wright, and pitcher Will McCausland for joining us. And we hope you had a good time listening to all the action And we'll see you next week. This is Hawks Talk.